share with you something that the Lord, uh, I feel, gave me for specifically for this. So if you're here today, I want you to start out by saying, this is for me. This is for me. And then just, you know, take it, absorb it, eat it, and see what the Lord wants to do. Thank you for that great advertisement for my book. I appreciate those of you that have bought it, and I just appreciate the support. I have some more out there. My husband's at the table. Wait till, wait till after all the service and go grab a couple more. They make great gifts, you know. Just have, have some on your shelf to share with those that you are witnessing to. So God is good. Thank you, Sister Bailey Coben. Great job. Thank you, uh, worship leader. You know, Sister Hannah, I uh, thank you for inviting me here. We have uh, something going on in our hearts with each other. It's because we serve the same God. We adore him. We go to him in prayer. and We listen to him. But thank you for having me. Um, when I got out of the car at about maybe 10 till 9 this morning. I didn't even get out, really, until there there was this beautiful, smiling lady that said, what can I carry for you? And then as I made my way into this place, I identified that prayer has happened here. I, I felt the presence of the Lord, the tingle of the Holy Ghost, in many conversations with different ones. Just, he's here. He got his invitation, and he came, and he's here for you. So I just want you to be individual. You and the Lord, just listen to what he has to say, and then let's, let's move with it. So how many of you like change? What? You like your comfort zones? <laughs> you like to go down the same path every day when you don't have to think, just autopilot. It's easy, isn't it? And, but life throws changes at us pretty regularly. And... Um, you know, if we took a survey, I already saw you shake your hand heads. Very few of us like change. But it is a part of life, and we need to recognize that it's going to come to us, and we need to make the best of it. I learned some time ago to not fight change, um, to just embrace it and see where it would take me, because you use a lot of energy fighting against it when it comes to you. But I want to talk to you about it's time for a change today. Most of us don't embrace that. It knocks us out of our comfort zones, and we so much love normal. We love to be normal. We love routine. I worked uh, for 20-some-odd years as an RN, most of, those, uh, most of those years under one CEO, and he had a thing for monthly employee meetings. None of us like monthly employee meetings. And... Those mornings, you know, you had to set your clock an hour earlier already. Change was happening that day that didn't feel good. And you had to go and you had to, you know, I always had to have a cup of coffee at those meetings because I drove like 35, 40 minutes to get there and then, you know, to start the day like this. And most of the time, it was just such a bother. But one particular day, the CEO started his little talk to us with, The one thing constant about life is change. And that seems so incongruent, but when you think about it, it's true. We change, and really, we should want to do that because none of us want to stay a two-year-old toddler, right? None of us want to be the first day of work every day. You know, change happens, and it's something that comes to us in different levels for different reasons. 
And so we began to talk about change. I don't know if any of you have ever read the book or seen the video, Who Moved My Cheese? But he played that little video for us. And at first it was just like this little cartoon that I thought, you know, take a little nap here in this meeting. But, you know, I didn't do that. And I respectfully watched his cartoon on Who Moved My Cheese. It's about two little mice, uh, Scurry and Sniff. And they set them at the door of a maze, and they watched them find a little cube of cheese that's in one of the corners of the maze. Now, the first time they put them there, it takes them a long time. They just go in and out and in and out and try to find it, and eventually they find the cheese. The next morning, they put the sniff and scurry the same place, and it still takes them a little while. But by the third or fourth day, they can go straight to the cheese. They know exactly where it's at. They don't take any wrong turns. They know where it's at. And they also kind of notice when they're eating it all, or maybe they put a little moldy cheese in there. And these mice, sniff and scurry, they think maybe we're going to have to find it someplace else tomorrow. There's not very much here, or it's not good cheese. And so they put them at the entrance to the maze, And they take a couple little different turns, just kind of perusing to see where the cheese might be. And eventually they go back to the same place and they're so happy that it's there. There's a couple people in the movie called Hem and Haw. And Hem and Haw get the same test. They put them at the entrance to the maze. And the people, they just go everywhere looking for the cheese, looking for the cheese. They finally found it, and they're so upset that it's taken them so long to find it that they barely eat any. They're just so upset. And they think, this is so stupid. Why didn't it put the cheese at the entrance where everybody could find it? And But they find out day after day they have to make the maze, too, to find where they're going. And they very quickly have a trodden-down path to the cheese. They know exactly where it's at. They can do it with their eyes closed. And one day they do it with their eyes closed, and it's not there. And him and Haw become very angry and upset and use all their energy. And the real cheese for that day is just around the next corner. But they're too angry to even find it. And, you know, they, they're in a rut. And so is our life sometimes. We are just in the same o same o rut. And as long as everything's great and we find our cheese that day, we're happy campers. But let something else come along and move what we've always had, and we just fall apart. We, we just fall apart. And so it's so easy to get into a spiritual rut, too. We come to church the same time every week, the same services, two or three times, depending on your church schedule. Hopefully, you have a prayer life. And I believe you do, or you probably wouldn't be here today. So our prayer sometimes, for me, same place, same time, and I believe that's very important. I believe that you should have. Same time, same place. Have a routine with the Lord, a daily date that you make with the Lord. And so, but, you know, we come to church, we pray, we read our bread program, Bible reading and riches every day, we check it off the list, and we just keep going, don't we? But we're in a spiritual rut, and we're not even aware of it. We feel the presence of the Lord when we come to church, and we drink it in, and we love it, and we go to our prayer closets, and 
we sometimes we speak in tongues and sometimes we intercede and sometimes we just worship but it's kind of the same thing over and over and i'm here to ta- talk to you today about changing some things up just you and the lord you know this is a very individual message that i have for you today so i want to make sure that you're say my god Put your hand on your chest and say, he's my God. I need him. I need him. Sometimes as parents, as wives, as pastors' wives, we use the pronoun we. Someone said, we need to do this and we need. But I want you today to be I. Oh, God, thou art my God. And I want to be intimate with you. Every day we're getting a little bit closer to the end of the age. I believe Jesus Jesus could come before my next sentence. He's on the threshold. He surely is coming back very soon. I've been in this all of my life. I've heard people say it all along, but we're just that much closer. And he doesn't live in time. I don't know if you remember that or not. He lives in eternity. And so, you know, it doesn't matter that we've been saying this for the last 67 years or 2,000 years. He lives in eternity, and he is on the brink of return. And he loves you so much. And as we see the age changing and things are changing so much in politics and in rules and regulations, it's almost mind-boggling. You hear so many things that don't even make sense, and it's a new rule, you know. And it's like, what? That, That doesn't make sense. And this pressure from the world is just pressing in on the church and on you individually. And simple uh, physics will tell you if you've got pressure on the outside with nothing pushing out, you're going to collapse. I don't want you to collapse under the pressure of these last days. I want you to be fully aware of it and know that you don't have to, that there's things you can do with my God and with your God that will help to push out Push out some pressure so that you can stand firm before the Lord and not be caving in on yourself or anybody else. Life is overwhelmingly busy. And if you'll put up the scripture, Matthew 24, 22, here's one of the reasons it is. Matthew 24, 22. <clears throat> and except those days, that's where we're living right now, except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, us, those days shall be shortened. As this scripture is being implemented into our lives, our days are getting shorter and shorter. We're still trying to do 24 hours worth of things. But the days are getting shorter and shorter, and we're feeling this pressure, and we're feeling this tiredness and this overwhelming, and life is crazy But God does not want you to just live in this overwhelmed, pressure-filled world and say, what am I going to do? I'm going to cave in on myself. That's not his plan for you or for me. So as this verse is coming to be true in your own life, I want you to consider, are you on the same old pathways that you have been for a long time now? Because your old pathway is probably not going to produce the pressure that you need to push out to stretch your arms, to say, wait a minute, that's not where I'm going. I'm going up. I'm not going to collapse. I'm not going to give in to what the devil is throwing at me. And so we need to be aware, where are we 
And are we on the same old rut of a path that we've been on for a long time? Uh, my birthday's in July, and <clears throat> this summer my husband said, let's go to South Haven for your birthday. I'm on it. I, I'll go to South Haven. How many of you love South Haven? Have you ever been? It's just about an hour and a half from us, and so it's a great little getaway. We jumped on the back of his Can-Am, took just one overnight bag with us, and we went for the day. It's a beautiful little uh, little town on Lake Michigan, lots of little shops. There's the Black River there, and sailboats all day long go up and down the Black River out into Lake Michigan. It's beautiful. They've got lots of park benches that you can sit on, and you can really just relax there and kind of let your mind just relax. And so here we are. We're in South Haven enjoying my birthday, and, and things are this beautiful day. Couldn't ask for a nicer day. And so we sat <clears throat> until we got hungry, which doesn't take long for me. So, um, you know, Sister, when you invited me to come, I thought, I need to make a change. I need to lose 10 pounds before I stand up there in front of those people, you know, but I haven't made that change yet. I, I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, so we're at South Haven and we think, okay, let's go into town and, and find some lunch and do a little shopping. So we're just walking up down the street and we're standing outside this one little store. And all of a sudden my husband goes, oh my word. And he just, you know, puts his hand over his eyes. Well, what is your reaction to that? You turn to look, right? I so wish I had unseen that. What? <laughs> I wish I hadn't done that, but my reaction was to turn and see when he's going, oh, my word. And standing by her SUV was a rather large lady, and she had on a, a bathing suit that I think she bought in high school. I'm not really sure, but she'd had the same one for a very long time. And um, she was trying to kind of wiggle in, I'm sorry, there's one male over here. I'm not going to look at you. <laughs> Just put your head down. Put your head down. Okay. <laughs> and so here she is standing between the cars, and she's trying to, like, wiggle into this little skirt and T-shirt, you know, that wasn't much bigger than the high school bathing suit. It was really, I so wish I could unsee it. It was, it was really bad. And so I know why my husband went, oh, my word. You know, here she was trying to make changes, and she needed to make some changes on a lot of levels. But as you look at that and you think about it, on my way home from um, South Heaven that day is when the Lord started speaking to me about this message. And, you know, I was thinking about her, and he said, yeah, you think she needs to make some changes. How about you? And I don't have a bathing suit. (laughs) You know, I know I need to lose weight. I, I know. No, he was talking about something other than our clothes. He was talking something about some heart issues that he just wanted to to whisper into my life that day. So I just want you to know that sometimes we can get bogged down. And we can be living in the mess of our lives, not even realizing, I've been doing this since high school. I've worn the same outfit into the prayer closet for far too long, I need to be making some changes. And let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. Okay, now I'm going to get into the meat of what I'm saying. I've laid the foundation. We're in a rut. We need to find our way out. How do we do that? And and how how and why do we do that? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all, but we all, 
with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We are all changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. I want to read you that scripture in the um, Amplified. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, the glass, the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We can become such drama queens when it comes to change. We can dig in our heels, our pastor can preach, or uh, somebody can speak into our lives, and we can dig in our heels and say, that is not for me. That is not what I'm going to do. I've done it this way. I know I'm saved. I know everything's going good. I do not need a change. And we can become very dramatic about it and push out against what God's trying to do. You think, I've got this. I'm okay. I know I'm okay. I'm in the last trimester of my life, surely. I'm 67, been doing this a long time, you know, just by... Uh, statistics. I'm in the last trimester of my life. It would be silly for you to tell me I should still be doing the things that I did in high school spiritually, right? I mean, that we have to move on. We have to, it's a journey. We have to keep taking steps forward. And so I want you to understand that he is your God and he wants to say some things to you about change today. It's not expedient in our walk with God to live in the same rut over and over. It's more appropriate and so much more beneficial to embrace spiritual changes. We're all on this path called life. And we can, you know, just go through it in a rut, just make our way through. Isn't life short? Life is like a vapor. And here I am, 67. I can't believe that. But... We can just stay in the same spot, and then before you know it, we're taking our last breath, and we've missed out on so much that the Lord wanted for us. It's so much better and more beneficial to be growing and changing because what do we want to hear him say in the end? Well done. Well done. We want to hear that from the Lord. And so when he speaks to us, on the back of my husband's Can-Am leaving South Bend or South Haven, I'm thinking about those things, and I'm thinking about she needs to change. And he said, what about you? I need to listen to that and say, what do you mean, Lord? How do you want me to change? I do want to hear him say, well done. I know that's why you're here today. It's a Friday. You have so many other places to be. You have so many demands on your life. Life is overwhelming, and time is shortened, and we're running on this treadmill. And you could have said, no, I I can't do that on Friday. I can't do that that weekend. But I want you to know God drew you here for a reason, and he's whispering into your ear today, what about you? Are you ready to make just a little change in me to draw closer to me? I hope so. I hope that that you have a willing heart. So why do we do what we don't want to do, and don't do what we want to do. Paul said that. Paul said, I, I, you know, I do what I don't want to, and I don't, you know, here I am. I did not lose 10 pounds. I didn't do what I wanted to do. I had like two months, but I had 
my sister was here, and I went to South Haven, and I did all this stuff, you know, that just there was so much good food, so I didn't make the change. But I want to hear him say, well done. It's not about my weight. It's about my weight in him. It's about what I carry in him that I want to be well done. So we're looking for a spiritual change today, going a little deeper, reaching a little higher. How do I do that, Lord? I want that for myself. Show me how to do it. I'm here to tell you, if you have a relationship with God and you say that to him, he will show you. Hopefully, I'll give you a few things today to consider, but he will speak directly to you and let you know what he wants you to do. So if you're ready for a change, you need to ask yourselves a couple questions. Am, is my spiritual life stale? Is my spiritual life stale? Is it messy or dull or intermittent? I'm telling you, when you worship the presence of the Lord and you come in before the King of Kings, it is not stale and it is not dull and it's not messy. I'm not saying that. But if you repeat the same thing over, you can get comfortable and that's, that's where I'm trying to take you. Don't get so comfortable in your walk with God that you think you've got it made and you don't need to go deeper. He is so much. He is so great. He is so powerful. And to think that we just stay in the same place day after day, it's, it's kind of uh, an insult to him, I think. I'm comfortable here, God. I don't need any more from you. I don't, I don't need to change anything. I led the, led the worship today. She doesn't have that kind of spirit at all. She's hungry for the Lord. I saw it in her face. I saw, and she's moving in that direction. Sister Hannah, just tears coming down her face when we come into the presence of the Lord. She's hungry. We talk about it all the time. What's God saying to you? You know, we want to know. And if, if I ask you that question today, if I say, what is God saying to you? And you go, mm, I, I don't know. Uh, let me try to think of something. Then I want you to know that you need to make some changes because he's a great conversationalist. He is an awesome one-on-one. And he will speak to you. And if you feel like that you don't hear the voice of the Lord, I encourage you to make some changes today so that you can go deeper and reach higher. Ask yourself these questions. Have I done all that the Lord has currently asked me to do? Am I holding back on something? Does he constantly, you know, kind of whisper it and I kind of push it away? Are you doing all that the Lord has asked you to do currently? Have you completed your assignment? Are you just out there saying, well, you know, I did that conference and it it really turned out good and I sang those songs and it was awesome, so now I can just go on? That's great, but what about the change? What about, am I going to go back to the rut? And so... Let me ask you this. This might make some of you go, Ugh. Are you still or have you made your present financial state what it's always been? I've always given my 10%. Always have, always will. Oh, that's good. That's what the Bible says. Kind of sounds like a rut if that's what you've been doing for 25 years. Because it says tithe and offerings. And that's where the Lord will challenge you in your changes need to give offering. You need to give beneficially or benevolently to somebody. Let the Lord speak to you about your finances. And um, we need to be submitted to him. Have I done everything that the Bible instructs me to do as a wife, as a mother, 
as an employee? These are hard questions, especially if we ask them honestly and we honestly say, no, I, I'm not doing that. If, if you have a negative response to those questions, am I doing everything that the Lord has asked me to do? And you can say, you know, I know there's this one part of my life that I just can't give to him. I just can't quite go there. Then I want you to really just sit with your God and say, God, I want to be obedient. I want to grow. I want to do this for you. And let him encourage you and show you how it's done. These are such hard questions, but I want you to execute them in real time in your life this week. I want you to say, okay, I am doing the same thing in this area of my life that I've done for a long time, and I'm going to ask the Lord, do you want me to go deeper here? Is there something I need to be doing changing in my life that, that you're asking of me that I'm ignoring? I'm here to tell you that if you will do that, he will propel you from glory to glory and from glory to glory. You don't have to just stay in the same dull, dry place. I know I'm saved. I know I'm doing it. I know, But he has so much more. He wants to draw you so much deeper. He wants you to understand him and hear him and have conversations with him that will open up the door when you say, I want to go from glory to glory. You had a little mirror that you got when you came in. Get that out and look at yourself. It's a little tiny one. And really, when you look at it, all you can see is yourself. That's the point. You have to kind of move it around to see all of yourself. They're kind of hard to open. I'm sorry about that. There's a little flap that you got to tear off. (laughs) Just look at yourself in that little mirror. Got it? If it won't open, just stick it up in front of the plastic. You can kind of see through the plastic. And then I want you to say to yourself, looking directly at yourself, girl, he wants to make you glorious. Girl, he wants to make you glorious. He has a plan for you. He wants you to go from glory to glory. I'm going to repeat 2 Corinthians 3.18 with that understanding, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in that same image from glory to glory. With open faces. That word open in the Greek is to unveil your face, to take away the facade, to say just be real. Look at yourself. Unveil yourself. Taking the veil off of your eyes so that you can see you. So you can see you the way God sees you. And he will correct us and change us. And he wants to prepare you for the next glorious phase of your life. Isn't that exciting to think about? You know, you're not just going to be the same place all the time. God wants to take you to a new place. It's a glorious place. It's an awesome place. He loves you so much. You're beautiful. And he wants you to gaze in that mirror and say, girl, 
He wants to make you glorious, and he absolutely does. He wants to change you. The word changed in that scripture means metamorphosis. We know that. We look at that as a butterfly, not a cocoon anymore, not a larva anymore, but a butterfly. And it's amazing, isn't it, to watch those butterflies break out and what God does in that metamorphosis. That's what he wants to do for you. He says, you know, you've been, you've been in the larva stage a long time in your mind, and we're all cocooned together, and we're best buds, but I've got this down here for you. I've got something more for you. I, I want you to be a butterfly. I want you to fly out. And, and when we do that, you know, not very many people pay any attention to the larva and, and all the things. But when they're butterflies, we stop and look, don't we? They're beautiful. Oh, did you see the butterfly? I took my uh, grandsons to a butterfly farm one time some years back. And they gave us these little red flowers. and It was an enclosure. And there were millions of butterflies in there. And they would come and light and... You know, you could see them up close, and it was so beautiful to just all these beautiful colors and everything. And and there was a little box over here on the wall that had the uh, cocoons in them. We spent about maybe two seconds looking at the box of cocoons. But we stayed out in the floor of the butterflies forever. We just didn't want to leave. It was so gorgeous. And God wants to do something marvelous in you. As long as you're in, as long as you're in the rut of being the larva and the cocoon, He's not going to make you. But when you start asking him, make me glorious, Lord. I I don't want to be a larva. I don't want to just be just the bare minimum of what you have for me. I want to grow in you. I want more of you. I want to know and see what you'd have me to do. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world. That's the pressure of the world right now. Just be conformed. You know, if we say anything against the world, then you're, you're intolerant, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, you know the words. But the Bible says in Romans 12, to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, pushing against what the world wants you to be. Be transformed. And it is so awesome to renew our minds so that we can prove what is that good and glorious and more glory and more glory until finally he's going to call his glorious bride home. He says, my bride is glorious without spot or without wrinkle. And he wants to move in our lives. He wants to change us. He wants to have that relationship that will transform us from the rut of this world into something beautiful for him. I've come here today to ask you to jump headlong into the well. Look in the reflection of the well and see how deep it goes and say, God, I want to go a little deeper. I want to be used of you in a new way. I want to be more submitted to you and to the authorities in my life than I've ever been. I'm, I just This is a little side note. If you are not submitted to the authorities in your life, whether it's your husband, your pastor, or your employer, God can't make you glorious. The anointing and the glorious part of our lives comes from first submission. And so if, if I don't need, that's not my notes, but I just want you to know, if you are not submitted to the authorities in your life, the anointing cannot flow. The anointing flows from the top down. And if you are out from underneath the umbrella because you think you know better than your husband and you're going to take control of that, or when the pastor preaches, who does he think he is telling me what to do? Or you go and you talk about the CEO. I'll tell you right now, the CEO in that job, 
I had to repent and go ask his forgiveness after I'd been there a couple years because I just didn't like him. I didn't like those meetings, and I didn't like how he talked to us. I, I didn't like him. And the Lord, you know, I was trying to go from glory to glory, and the Lord said, you can't get to the next step until you submit to that man. He's your employer. So I had to make an appointment, go upstairs, find his office. Turned out beautiful. The Lord was with me. And, you know, I never resented that man one time after that. We became friends, you know, and, and the, Lord, <laughs> the Lord showed me some things in that. So if you want to go to the next glory, you have to be submitted. You have to be in a glorious place first. It says from glory to glory. If you're not already in a glorious place, how can you go to the next one? How can you expect to grow in the Lord if you're already, you're just in this black little rut and you're not in the glory of the Lord? It's from glory to glory, from growing to growing. And um, we have to somehow find that place where we are submitted. In January of this year at uh, Bourbon UPC, our pastor got up and said, uh, okay, folks, the Lord's calling us to prayer. Well, I'm all about prayer, so hallelujah, let's have a prayer meeting. But what he said was, we're going to pray the month of January. Okay, what night? You know, what night are we coming? No, I mean, we're going to pray every service. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, no songs, no preaching. We're coming here to pray. This is going to be the house of prayer. And talk about getting out of your rut. You know, the flesh was like, Really? Can we do that? Are we able to do that? And so the first time that we came in, you know, everybody was just kind of hemming and hawing around, trying to find what we're supposed to do, scurrying around. Where am I going to pray? I wonder how long he's going to keep us. I I don't know if I can do that. Maybe I'm going to go in this corner over here. Nobody will see me. And then if I need to get up and leave, you know, know, you're making plans for how you're going to, handle this new change in your life. And so at first it was very uncomfortable, I'll tell you that. There was no singing, there was no preaching, there was no even songs over the intercom. It was quiet. He said, I want to hear the saints of the Most High God having communion with him. And we would come in and there's some of us that naturally pray louder than others but there were some services last January that were deep. We were going deeper into the well as a body. And nobody really wanted to, but when we submitted to the pastoral authority, things began to happen. And as we came to the end of January, there was even kind of a feeling was, let's just keep going. And maybe we don't need song service. Maybe we don't need, but we do need to worship together, and we do need the preached word, but it propelled us to a new place. We were in a new place of glory in that church where as we were coming together and as we were praying, there would be gifts of the Spirit, and there would be healings and miracles and, and unity. Sister, that was the thing I think that, that I noticed in my own spirit, the unity that I felt with my brothers and sisters. You know, we would get down to pray, and then some services, you'd find interceding going on over in this corner, and then somebody getting up and going to somebody on the other side and just praying with them and weeping. And the Lord was tying us together and bringing us together as a body. It was absolutely beautiful. And I, I thank the Lord 
for my pastor that he was able to hear that and that he recognized to go to the next glory, we need to do something different. The veil was taken off of our eyes, and we could see more clearly where we were at in the Lord and where we needed to go. It was absolutely amazing. So I'm going to ask you today to ask him to show you where you are currently. That's easy. We all kind of know. We know our routines. We know our place in the maze. We know if we're wearing the same bathing suit. We know. Ask him to show you where you are today and then say, and show me, where do you want to take me? God, where do you want to take me? The answer is to your next glory. And you have to make this place glorious. And then he's going to take you further. I know it hurts a little bit for me to say this, but are you spending more time on social media than you are with the lover of your soul? Are you spending more time on social media than with the lover of your soul? And if you kind of don't want to talk about that, stay there for a little bit. Change some things up. Be honest with yourself. Look and see. You know, the, they give you little reports. I don't know how often it is, but, you know, your screen time is up or down or whatever. And I, a 67-year-old grandmother, sometimes I'm shocked when it says, how many hours? Have I really? And I'm learning not to take iPads or anything like that. Get them away. I don't want them in places where I just pick them up 2,900 times a day. Make, make those things hard to access. You know, we um, are in such an electronic and socially connected time that it is pushing us this way. We've got to push out against that. You've got to recognize, wait a minute, what am I doing? And, I mean, I, I don't look at anything bad. I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? But the thing of it is, the time that you are consuming, and then you say, oh, I'm so overwhelmed, I don't have time to pray. Yes, you do have time to pray. You just need to reevaluate your time, which is a part of what I'm going to ask you to do today to make these changes. See where you are. Where am I spending my time? What's important to me? And what do I need to do to go to this next glory? If you're praying the same 15 minutes every day in the same place, I challenge you to look in the mirror and say, God, I want something deeper than that. I, I want to go to prayer spontaneously, not just my regular, but if you call me to prayer. I'm going to be real transparent. Here's what the Lord's working on me. I've been a morning prayer for a long, 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 long time. I get up and go to prayer in the morning, and I love that, and I, I don't believe that you have to be a morning prayer, but I do believe it's so much easier to pray first in the morning and putting him first and ordering my steps. How can you ask the Lord to order your steps if you're praying at midnight or, you know, the day's already over? That's just my own, you know, you can pray whenever, but He's been dealing with me about having two set prayer times, morning and evening. This has been, it's, it's not easy to pray in the evening. I don't have a maze leading me there. I haven't trodden down that path to pray the second time in intercession and worship and praise. I do that at the beginning. I take care of that at the beginning. You want me, 
okay, how am I going to do this? I'm having to reroute my calendar to make that happen. I can't wait until I'm sleepy in bed to do my second one. It's not going to last long, will it? So I have to create, I have to be creative to find this place second, a second time to go before the Lord, a second time to change and go to the next glory. Um, Your agenda. How many of you are list makers for your day? Many people are. And I have become that. My husband's a list maker. And I just want to say I have got the best husband in the whole world. He has taken such good care of me for 47 years, and I'm so happy to have him as my husband. He is a list maker of all list makers. He makes my list for me. He, I mean, he loves lists. But if we're that kind of person, sometimes we squeeze out the ability of God to tell us where to go and what to do. I have been doing that now for a couple of years. I will, before I make my list, I say, God, I'm acknowledging you today. Order my steps. What would you have me to do? And, and then I'll let him speak to me, and his list becomes my list. The face that comes up before me, I have to contact them today. I have to pray for them today. I have to see what I can do to make their day better. And then... I'll fill in my other part. So your agenda, is it all yours or does he have room in it? Are you giving the same begrudging tithing that you did years ago? Or have you talked to the Lord about God? I want to give more. I want, I want to do more. The Lord made me a giver and sometimes the Lord tells me to give. And if it's more than, say, $100, I will always go to my husband and say, you know, the Lord's really dealing with me about giving this. I never do it without his blessing because I need to be submitted to him. And almost on every occasion, if the Lord's telling you, go do it. Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord? Can he tell you to give something that maybe you hadn't planned to? Is your time allotment more engaged in entertainment or going to the next glory. I know these things hurt, but, you know, change is uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. I'm trying to get you to think, what am I going to do? What can I do to go to my next glory? Are you in a place of glory today? Or you need to sweep up and do a few things in this place before he transports you to the next glory? 1 Corinthians 15 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We have to get ready for this. We have to get ready to be changed. We, it's, you know, it's going to happen in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And if we're still over here in this little moldy cheese rut of a place that we've been doing for a long time and we really haven't even thought about changing, I just wonder if he can transport us, if he can change us in that moment in the twinkling of an eye to way over here 
when he's been trying to get us, come on, come on, I've got so much more for you. I don't want to be lost. I don't want you to be lost. Don't be in a rut. Don't just stand in that same place and say, I know I'm okay. I got baptized in Jesus' name. I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 12, and I'm still doing the same old, same old, so I know I'm okay. Oh, Jesus, he has so much more for you. He has so much more. And then in verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved sisters, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Abounding doesn't sound like you're in the same old place. Abounding seems like you're being propelled. Abounding in eternal things and growing and and finding him as your very own confidant. You know, when we talk to the Lord as there was a song you guys sang, he's my father and my friend. I've known him as my father and I've known him as my friend. My dad died about 11 or 12 years ago and I was so close to my dad. I was my dad's girl. Wherever he was, I was with him. He only had four daughters. He didn't have a son. So I, I played that role. I wanted to be with my dad. And when my dad took his last breath, I, I felt like I just kind of broke. You know, I was a grown woman, but there was something, there was a void missing in my life when my dad passed away. And, but it was during those days that he took me to a new glory because I started calling him Father. In my prayer, I'd say, Father. I never even called my dad Father. It was Dad. But, oh, Father, my Father, my Father, I need you. I need you. I've always depended on my dad for so much, but now I'm going to depend on you. And it took me to a new glory when I became his daughter. And he became my father. And it wasn't easy. It would have been so much easier for my dad to live forever, you know, and just always have been there. But I would have just stayed here. I wouldn't have gone on to the next place in the Lord if I didn't recognize that this was a part of the transformation. Abounding, overflowing, evolving, and excelling, moving forward, changing. Oh, Lord, make me glorious. Let me see myself as you see me and make me glorious. Ephesians 5.27, he wants to present himself a glorious church, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, one that's just on the brink of heaven. We're moving forward. We're just right there so that in the moment, twinkling eye, we're right there. We've moved on to the next glory, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. No moldy cheese, no uh, talking back, no unsubmission. Recognizing him as my father, going to him a second time in prayer, leading people to the Lord, speaking out for him. and Like that, we're out of here. From glory to glory. So I'm asking you today, to look for ways to personally change. Change up your prayer time. Haven't talked much about fasting. Look at your fasting schedule. Ooh, I felt a <laughs> felt something there. 
None of us like fasting. You are not going to die if you don't eat for 24 hours. Oh, I get this terrible headache. I just can't do it. You don't understand, Sister Cottrell. It's just so hard for me. I, you know, I have to eat. I, I have to, and I, I, the Lord understands. I'm, I just have to eat this moldy cheese. You know that. You know that I can't fast. Okay. Well, you start at the beginning. If you're not fasting at all, then give up breakfast on Wednesday mornings. Just a little bit. Change your, change your pathway a little bit. Not going to eat till noon on Wednesdays. Oh, it's 11.30. Gonna, well, the Lord will understand. I think I, it's okay. I can go get my, have my break right now. Come on. Fast until 12 on Wednesdays. And then you do that for a few weeks and you start feeling, you know, when I fast, I hear the, hear the Lord easier because I'm pushing my flesh down. I'm pushing down and out against this world who's trying to control me. And just watch as he brings new glory into your life. Would you stand with me? Let's drink deeply. I'm going to have the singers come up. I want you to drink deeply from the well this weekend. Let your relationship with your heavenly lover be changed. It's time for a change, folks. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, I'm too overwhelmed, Sister Cottrell. Please don't, please don't put more on me. I'm not asking you to do more. I'm asking you to do less of so many things and more of him. Recognize where you are at. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, listen, I have to start pushing out against the pressures of this world. I've got to go to the next glory because he's getting ready to come back. And I want to go and be a part of the bride, the glorious bride of Christ. We've got to be in a place of glory to go home with him. It's not more. It's less. There's so much more peace when you spend your time with him. I know that life is real. Life happens. Believe me, I understand. The days fly by. But somehow, in all of that, we've got to find a way to concentrate on the lover of our soul. And let him change us and mold us and make us into a new and glorious creature. Take an unveiled look at yourself today. Take the veil off your eyes and look at your habits, your commitments, your responsibilities. And ask him honestly and with an open heart. Please get involved in this change. I can't do this without you. I am nothing without you. But in you, I live and I move and I have my being. And I want to serve you. I want to know you better. If you want something in your life to change, maybe it's one thing. And really, I encourage you to just make it one thing today. One thing I'm going to work on changing in my life. I'm going to invite you to this altar for you to just lift it up to the Lord. I don't know how I'm going to do this, Lord. I don't know how, what it's going to require of me, but I want change in my life. I want to be in a glorious place. Let's all come. Let's just talk to the Lord today. I want to change this in my life. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. Show me, Lord. 
I want you to be working in me. I want to go to the next glory. I want to find the pathway into the glory of the Lord. I know it's going to be worth it. I know it's going to be hard, but you're going to help me. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. You're a good God. I 